there's there's sometimes that uh that you get a series of of instructions and then you you get the why a little bit later. Sometimes somebody will tell you or ask you to do a series of things and then they give you the reason why. Every time we was about to go to the dentist, my mom would be like, okay, so I want you to go brush your teeth three times. What, why I got to brush three times? Because we going to the dentist. Okay, okay. Or sometimes she would call, I want you to go downstairs to the freezer, pull out that rack or something and put, put, it, on the, put it on the counter. Why, why am I taking out cold meat? Because I'm going to cook this later. If she called you and told you, I want you to move the refrigerator, clean behind the fridge, move the couch, clean behind the couch, what's that usually mean? Somebody about to come over. Only time you clean up the house like that is when y'all having some people over. Hey, you know it. Start up early, you know. That, that's, you, you get, sometimes you get a list of instructions, but then you get the why, and it's rooted in a why, and you're like, oh, I understand it now. This writer of Hebrews in the 13th chapter, he's about to give us a bunch of tasks that don't seem connected. But he's going to give us the why towards the end of the chapter. He's going to help us understand why all these requests are coming. Where is all this stuff coming from? It's going to be rooted in Jesus, and he wants us to be able to persevere. So if you have your Bibles with me at home, if you have a Bible with me here, turn to chapter 13 in Hebrews. That Bible should be right by your knee in one of the pews. And one of the church members, when you get there, somebody's going to shout out the page number for us. 1718 is where we are. 1718. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, before I dive into Hebrews, I want you to get the, the background of how far we've come. And y'all, my amazing servants, y'all can have a seat. Y'all a blessing. Thank you so much. Y'all was greeted by two amazing people when y'all came in the door. Yes, we can get them a, get them a hand. Praise amen. So, so, the, so the Hebrews, kind of in a nutshell, 1 through 12, is, is, is this Hebrew writer's writing to a Jewish audience. And, and they are going through some tough times, some persecution. They are tempted to abandon God, to go through a rough spell and say, Man, I don't know if this Jesus thing is, is worth it. And so the Hebrew writer says, wait, whatever is good to you, whatever you find your security in, whatever aspects of the old faith, whether it be Moses or whether it be angels, whatever it is, I've got someone better. And it's Jesus. I've got Jesus Christ, who is a better aspect of whatever you held on to. And so he communicates in a way where he's trying to demonstrate and show them the importance of Jesus's realness, that he connects with them. He understands suffering. And so he is human and can connect and relate to them. But also he is fully God, fully holy, above everything else you can imagine. And so his glory is just as beautiful as his humanity. And so he's trying to say, you're going through something tough. You've been through something tough. God loves you, knows you, and is walking with you. But they were used to a system. They were used to a system that 
cared for their problems. They were used to an Old Testament system. And some of us got an Old Testament mindset. Some of us like to have to pay off our sin. You know how like sometimes you did something wrong and then you get blessed and you be like, I don't deserve it. You don't never deserve it. None of us ever deserve it. So when we get blessed, it's because of his grace. And when we have mercy, it's because of his grace. But some of us want to operate in that old school method of, okay, I did good. I should get good. I did bad and all those. And God, I'm so grateful. It's not like that. His steadfast love endures forever. And so we get a chance to see this Jesus presented in chapter 1 through 12 as the one who helps them persevere helps them push on. So now join me as we fix our gaze on Christ in chapter 13, starting with verse 1. And these are going to be some, some things called exhortations or, or, or strong suggestions. He wants to urge them to respond and live in this way. All right, we got a bunch of, a bunch of things that seem random, but it's all going to come together in the beauty of Jesus. 13 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. This is, this is the context of some people who've been through something. I, uh, I, I, I love when we get to come together and worship. And it's, it's cool to see all of y'all present. It's funny because a lot of our people ain't here. But one of my most beautiful, one of the most beautiful aspects for me of service actually happens uh, after we pray. It happens actually after I preach. It happens after we cut off the camera and we shut off the keyboard. And during that time, you all will start talking to each other when service is over. And there's a way that, that you greet one another when it's like when you're just meeting somebody for the first time or, or you don't really know them that well. And like, hey, how you doing? How you? Hey, it's good to see you. You know, it's a little surface. But there's those times when you know what somebody went through this week. And the way you greet them is like, come here. Yep. It's, 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 it's this endearing hug or see them across the room like, I, I know, it's all right. It's going to be okay. It's, the, it's this way of comforting one another that, that sometimes words can't describe it, but you feel that love. And he's saying we all have been through some stuff like that, and even in the midst of the trial, whatever it is, the persecution, whatever it is, keep on loving one another. Keep on loving one another. It's one of the most beautiful aspects of MacAv, and y'all, I pray that I am your pastor for the next 30 years, but if God should call me home tomorrow, the thing I pray stays present within our culture is how we love one another. That's not a Pastor Leon thing. That's a us thing, and if a new person walks through that door, I want them to be like, man, this place, you feel love. Amen? Amen. So we love one another. Continue with me in verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality. And we're going to keep going back. So you might as well keep your finger right there in the Bible with you, all right? Verse 2. Do not forget how to show hospitality to strangers, 
For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. He's saying, hey, look, the road to faith is a long and difficult journey, and sometimes you are going to be attacked. Be careful. You may be the person who's the stranger needing help at some point. So why don't you help somebody else who's on their journey because you never know the shoe could be on the other foot. And it's a beautiful thing when you find yourself in need and somebody's able to help you. It is a true blessing. And and the beauty of this type of thing is, is they are all being challenged. They're all being persecuted. They all have these trials. So nobody's looking down on somebody in need. In this, in, in the community, in this Bible, they are all walking together, being challenged. So a person in need is a peer. We got to make sure we adopt that, y'all. We got to make sure that reality remains the reality of Macab. Your, your job, your, your degree, um, how much work experience you got, how much money you got in the bank, nothing should allow us to feel above or beneath someone else in this body just because you need help. Hospitality is not dependent upon our checkbook. Hospitality is dependent upon our heart position. And he's saying, have a heart that's willing to help. Make yourself available, willing to show love, even to those that are imprisoned. And so we have to show hospitality as we're loving one another. We have to put ourselves in someone else's place. Continue with me in verse 4. It says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Pure means unadulterated. It means that you, you don't mix anything that can, that can co- contaminate it. You keep it as clean as possible. And y'all, uh, marriage is one of those topics that the world tries to redefine and tries to, tries to keep seeping in a new definition. We know what pure means, but if, if that's the line of purity, some of us like to, let me, let me see, how, how close can I get to this? How close can I get without contaminating? See, we got we to be careful because what we're saying is, and, 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 and this is one that like, like, like you, we all understand, right? Let's say, let's say you do something wrong on accident. How does your, how does your parent respond? If you, if you do an accident and you do something wrong, they usually respond kind of graceful. It's okay, baby. Come here. We're going to get it together. Come on. I'll help you clean it up. But let's just say you say, I know it's wrong. I'm about to go do it anyway. How does your parent respond then? You did what with my car? You knew I was ready for that last piece of chicken and you took it and ate it anyway? 
You, 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 you know the, the posture of anger. And, and all I'm saying, y'all, is that, is, that, is that God is saying, hey, there's a way I said to do things, but don't take advantage of my grace. Don't look and see that, that, that because I didn't come down and smite you right away, if I'm saying there's a way I've designed things and I want sex to be on full blast for you to experience it to the fullest in this confine of marriage. And guess what I'm saying? Keep it holy because I don't want you messing with nobody else's marriage either. So don't mess up yours and don't mess up theirs. And if you're single, and if you're not single, the marriage bed is also where you allow your mind and eyes to venture. Not just what you do, it's what you take in. It's the, the jokes. I got some friends that I kick it with, but I know come 11 o'clock, I can't kick it with them like that. 10.58, they're like, oh, Lee putting on his coat. Yep. Sorry, y'all, I got to get ready to go. Because <laughs> I already know where the jokes is about to start going about sisters. And they're not, they not where I'm at. I'm not there. It's all love. It ain't no, but, but, but I can't joke like that. We can't joke like that. Because there's a purity to this thing. And we want to say, whoa, God, you create all things, the heaven, the stars, and you didn't come down to do something but I give you reverence because you could. And I could be joking that one time. I could be copping a field that one time. I could be doing whatever that one time. And that'd be the time God say, man, my grace has been so far. Okay, I'm tired of it. Don't take advantage. He's trying to say, let the marriage bed be pure. Honor marriage. Verse 5, keep on with me, y'all. Random, we done went to loving one another. We done talked about uh, hospitality. We talked about caring for the imprisoned. Then he jumped to marriage. You see, he's kind of all over the place. There's a long list that he's about to give because he wants to equip them to be able to live out this biblical life. It says, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If, 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 if there ain't two things that'll get you up out the bed to do wrong, one of them is sex and the other one is money. He, laying, he just laying it on out there. I know y'all, mm-hmm, I see how y'all get down. I already know, let me warn y'all. Don't be done, you know what I'm saying? Like He knows us. He knows our hearts. He sees the, 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 the motivations we can have and how it can trip us up. So he says, you don't need to be greedy. Greedy makes it all about you and you getting ahead and you getting over and you coming up. He says, you don't need to have that type of disposition because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you can be content in me. Now, this, this is not... Man, pastor, like, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, it sometimes feels consuming that I'm trying to make my ends meet and I don't have enough. That's not what this is. Because sometimes the, the weight of trying and the weight of, of all of the, of the bills and not being able to reach up, like, like not being able to be financially stable, that weight is real. That's not greed. 
That's being overwhelmed by a financial situation. And if you, if you pause and ask some people in here, I, I dare say everybody, we almost all have at some time had a bunch of money in our pocket. More money than you probably had had before. I remember the first time I was working, now this is back in the day, minimum wage was four twenty-five. I'm working at the grocery store, making it happen. It's all good. I get my little $108 check, you know, go spend 107 on some shoes, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we make it happen. Y'all know we're, we're, we're spending all, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what you going to do? I don't know, but I'm looking fresh to the mug, though, you know, like, hey, you know. But then we, <laughs> then, I, then I go to college, and I don't know about college. I'm in college. All I'm doing is signing all these papers. Cool. Give me a loan. Give me a loan. They give me a refund check for $2,000. Y'all, I thought I hit the lottery for 80 million. $2,000. I went from 108 to 2,000. I thought it was the most it was the most money that I'd ever seen. And you know what? I didn't feel peace. I mean, it was fun. I blew it. Ask me what I spent it on. I couldn't tell you. But 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 that money didn't give me peace. And that's the thing that greed does. It keeps dangling an arrival point before you. And as soon as you think you get there, you get 2,000. Now you got to get four. You get four, you got to get eight. You get eight, and you keep going. You're never satisfied. And he's saying, wait, wait, wait. I'm enough. Be content in me. So that when you're up, you know it's not because of you. And when you're down, you know that I got you. Be content in me. Continue with me, y'all. God is enough. Verse 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. We're in a, a time of the year, y'all, where, uh, where, where people get glued to the TV. Uh, if I get a chance to break away, I'm one of them because March Madness is happening. I am sorry. I like March Madness more than any other sport. It's just, it's just dope. You get, you get stories about people that that you never thought would win, and they win. And this year we've had, you know, the the least beat the best. It's been crazy so far. And and the thing that I kind of love listening to, I like listening to the pep talks. I like listening to the coach as he rallies the teams. Like, all right, we going in. Don't underestimate them. We're going to be able to, we should be able to win. No, we're number one. They're number 16. Then the coach says to number 16, hey, 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 remember our game plan. Remember what got us here. They underestimate us, but we can take them out. I, I love hearing the, the game plan that the coaches give, the pep talk that get them ready to go out. And what the Lord allows to see happen is God allows there to be leaders Leaders among you, leaders within this body, leaders within your pastoral staff that want to equip you with God's word. Want to give you a pep talk based on who God is to get you ready to go out in this game of life. 
We're trying to see you excel and see you thrive, but please believe we want you to thrive in faith. We want you to be able to overcome because of who God is, and we want to see you equipped to walk this thing out, but later on it'll talk a little bit about you have the opportunity of making that easy for us or making that tough. And my prayer is that you would choose as a to help your leaders make this walk easy. My prayer is that you would walk with the Lord and it would be rooted in his word and that as we as leaders try to imitate God, you would be able to imitate and follow us. So imitate us as leaders. It's, it's, it's weird to say that because uh, the false humility starts acting up. Who among us wants to be like, imitate me? I feel weird saying it up here. Because as soon as I say that, the mirror come down like, imitate you? <laughs> but, but, but I'm not asking you to, to walk as Leon. Because Leon struggles walking as Leon. I'm trying to control this life. I'm not trying to control you. What I am doing, though, is I'm trying to pursue Christ. I'm trying to follow wherever he would lead. I'm trying to listen to his voice. And my prayer is that you would be willing to do the same and say, man, you know, sometimes pastor got two left feet, but he be trying to walk for the Lord, though. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm trying. I'm I'm out here trying to walk for the Lord, and I want you to be encouraged to do the same. Pastor K wants the same. Jenny, our whole team, WLC, Deacons, we all want the same. We want to see you elders. We want to see you imitating Christ as we imitate Christ. Verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. This is simply saying, hey, be discerning. Allow God's word to dwell in you richly and don't listen to some of the craziness that at times can come forth as legalism. Like just, just walk in the freedom God gives and we want to make sure you're rooted in God's word. Verse 11. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Jesus is, is, is flipping over what you can expect. So what would happen is the, the sacrifice would happen. The priest would take that sacrifice once it was done outside of the city, and they would burn it outside the city. No, you're not expected to go outside the city for your healing. You want your healing in the temple. But this is saying, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is found outside the temple. He's found outside the city. He's actually in the very place none of us would go? Yes. Yes, that's kind of his M.O. Oh, he's going to be with tax collectors? Jesus? What kind of godly man would be with tax collectors? What kind of godly man would be with prostitutes? What kind of godly man would be with thieves? What kind of godly man would be with, with paralytics? And 
Yes, that's how Jesus operates. He flips the system upside down. So if you want to live like Jesus, you might have to go to some of the places where you're unexpected to go. And he's saying that when you do that, there may be some persecution that happens. If they did it to him, what do you think is going to happen to you? And he's trying to gird them up for, for strength to be able to endure that way. And family, I'm telling y'all, like, like sometimes you don't know it, but it's just the Jesus in you. It's just the Jesus in you. Sometimes, and y'all know, you got three options of places that's going to come up in every sermon. It's either going to be McDonald's, the gas station, I don't even remember the third one, but we're going with McDonald's again. Sometimes you get attitude at the drive-thru and all you said was hello. Sometimes people have drama. You got family that call you and you're like, hello? What did I do? I, all I said was hello. Like, like sometimes, and you're trying to rationalize it. Maybe it's because you look like Jesus. Now, I'm not going to pacify your foolishness. Because if you done told somebody off, that ain't the Jesus part. But sometimes you get challenged. Sometimes you get this, these responses. Sometimes you get pushed back, and it's not founded at all. And, and, and um, so I don't know a lot about the Enneagram. But it, and that, that's this test that tells you, like, different personality styles. Uh, I, mine says that I'm a two, which is a helper. I don't, uh, I don't very often get mad if you do something to me. You can, like, hit me, yell at me, whatever, I'm cool. If someone does something to y'all, then I get outraged. I'm like, what, what you doing to my family? What you doing to my friend? What you doing to my cousin? But early on in my faith, uh, I, 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 something happened where basically the Lord allowed me to see it ain't you. And sometimes I'll ask a question like, so what happened? What you mean what happened? Da, da, da. I'm like, ooh, Leon, it ain't you. So how can I help you? Oh, you saying I need your help? Leon, it ain't you. You see, if we can be godly enough to realize that sometimes somebody's throwing darts and it's not us, it's the God in us. I'm not saying you get to just pop off at the mouth at people and they're supposed to take it. I'm saying truly when you're trying to be humble, when you're trying to be helpful, when you're trying to be understanding and they treat you like you the one that did it. You know how somebody talk about somebody else, then you laugh and everybody get mad at you. I've been that dude, right? Come on. Come on. We ain't talking about that situation. We're talking about you actually tried to help out. And everybody laughing at them. You put your arm around them and then they go crazy on you. Why are you trying to, you know? We're talking about that. And sometimes it's just because of the Jesus in you. We got to be okay with that. If they did it to Christ, it will happen to us. But Jesus is worth us seeking him, even if it's outside of the normal setup of religiosity. Continue me in verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. 
the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifice, God is pleased. Amen, amen. Got to praise God with our lips and our lives. We were having our, uh, our women's leadership council meeting where the elders meet up with the women's leadership council and they provide us uh, God-centered guidance and wisdom of how to make sure that our church is thriving and flourishing. And uh, we took a minute before the meeting started where every person went around and took 15 seconds just to say something that they were grateful for. What's something you're thanking God for? And it was cool to see like each person in a very different aspect of their life, still has something that they could praise God for. That's got to be our posture, y'all. We don't need to ignore our reality. We don't need to be able to say everything's all good, but no matter what is going on in our lives, there is something that is praiseworthy that we can celebrate God for. And what Satan wants to do is steal your focus from being able to do that. He wants you to focus only on the bad, only on the wrong. No, we acknowledge that that's real, but that's not the whole story, Satan. God is still good and God is still bigger than this situation. So I'm going to praise him even though I don't understand. I'm going to praise him even though I can't comprehend. I'm going to praise him because I'm trusting that he's going to get me through. And Satan would want to lead us to to not be able to to see Christ working in our lives. Continue with me in verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. No benefit to you. I was uh, listening to a pastor named Tony Evans, and he said that uh, he has a will. He said he has a will for his four children, and they're all named in the will. My, his oldest son came to him once to remind him that in the Bible, the oldest son got a double portion. So now he, he is right. He does get a double portion, uh, and his younger son wasn't too excited about that, but the double portion uh, was a part of the inheritance that the oldest son would get uh, because he had the responsibility of caring for the family in the absence of the father. He didn't just get a double portion so he could have twice as much money or twice as much fun. He got that because he now had increased responsibility. He says, now, although he has a will, it lays out who gets what, but there is a small clause in his will. It states that if any of my kids adopt an ungodly, unrepentant lifestyle, they lose their inheritance. Why do I have this clause? Because I don't want them wasting what God has given us. Their inheritance is connected to their willingness to submit to God. Because many of us have uh, our inheritance be delayed because of our refusal to submit to godly authority our refusal to submit to who God has placed in our lives as a godly, authoritative figure. I want to tell you all a little something that, that I came to understand as I started doing life pastoring here. So I was pastoring here. It's been now 15 years. And we have 
uh, beautiful Asian, beautiful Indian, beautiful black, beautiful white members. But there's a different way that people referred to me in the neighborhood. So early on in my pastoring, my white members would be like, hey, Leon, what's up? And I'd be like, cool, what's up? Because oftentimes I, I introduced myself as Leon. And so that's how they got connected to me. That's how they knew me. I'd be in the grocery store, two lanes over, a black member would be like, Pastor Leon, hey, Pastor, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Pastor was always before my name. Then, over time, my white members caught on like, huh. So now, when I'm out and about, there would be, you know, folks, my white members, Asian members, my black members, everybody would say pastor. But there was one person that when I'd be out, they'd say Leon in a way as if to say, you ain't above me. We on the same level. Who is you? Now, y'all know, it's not my desire. I could care less. Actually, when I'm in the hood, I mean, when I'm in our neighborhood, whatever, I don't even say pastor. And people get mad at me after. They be like, wait a minute, you a pastor? I've been cussing around you and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, but, but when you meet me, though, I, I want you to be truly you. I don't want you to be who you think the church wants you to be. You know what I'm saying? I want you to feel comfortable being who you are because I'm going to be comfortable being who I am. And they be like, oh, that's why you used to say amen all the time. Yep. It just flow out of who I am. Cool. Okay. But, 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 but there was like a, a, a reverence that took place. But, but some folks don't want to submit to nobody. Don't want to submit to any spiritual authority. Don't want to be under any pastoral leader. I actually are like, who are you to be leading me? And that's a dangerous place to be. It's dangerous for me and Pastor K because we have an account that we have to give for the way we lead. So it's dangerous if we try to control y'all and make y'all little mini puppets. That ain't good. We're not trying to live like that. But it's dangerous for you if you look at spiritual authority and are like, I don't need that. I got God. I'm good. No, no, no. God gives us leaders. He also gives us leaders so that we all can walk together at some point. Can somebody say something in your life? That happens in community. We got to walk together in this love thing and in this leadership thing. Be careful if you're the type of person, though, that's like, mm, submission, spiritual leadership. And, and I get it. Some of us have had pain and bad stories. We're not, we're not canceling out all that. But, but don't allow one person to redefine what God has set up. Our desire as your leaders is to love you well. And you help us love you well when you are willing to say, man, you know what? I'm going to submit to them because I think they want my good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Continue with me. He says in verse 18, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you. He believes that prayer changes things. Verses 20 through 21. Now, and, and, and excuse me. So if you needed all of the instructions before, if, 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 if clean up the house, 
because we got family coming over is the why. Family coming over is the why. He just gave us a whole list of ways that he wants us to clean up our lives, that he wants our lives to be to be an expression of his beauty and grace. Now in verse 20 and 21 comes the why. It says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. He's saying, wait a minute now. You went through some stuff. You've been challenged. You've been persecuted. But guess what? You can experience God fully because of what Jesus did. Jesus now is going to stand in the gap and allow his blood to be what allows you to feel connected feel close, feel intimate, feel in the presence of God. And we don't, we, let's be careful that we don't take that for granted. We get to walk up in here, sing out to Jesus, pray together, and then something happens where you start to feel God's presence over you. That's because of Jesus. Sometimes you're driving in the car and you bumping a 1079 and you got your whatever on and then you accidentally bump it and you go to the gospel station and Kirk Franklin on there and you about lose it in the car. Lose it. That's because of Jesus. See, that presence that you feel, that, that cleansing that you feel, that ability to have release, that freedom from sin, you feel that because of Jesus. And he's saying you had this system before. You had a, a Moses system. You had a priestly system. You had a sacrifice system. All that is now found in Jesus. He's so much better. So much better. And he's saying no matter what you go through, he is worth it. He's worth it, y'all. He's worth it. And so I want to leave you with just a simple statement. The main point of Hebrews is that he's trying to equip the readers to be able to persevere in the midst of persecution because Jesus is enough. The whole chapter, sin is trying to pull their gaze. It's trying to pull them away. It's trying to get their focus. And the whole time he's trying to say, fix your eyes on Christ. Put your focus on Christ. Allow your gaze to be on Christ. You've been there. You've seen our, you've seen our logo for this series. Our logo for this series is a, is a magnifying glass. You've been there as a kid. Maybe you went recently when you needed some glasses. You got to put the thing over your eye. At What's that, the ophthalmologist, whatever there? Uh-huh. I might be talking about foot doctors. I don't know their name. You put it over your eye, and they say, okay, now read me that. And you got to. You got to squint a little bit. You got you to strain. You got to focus, and then you can A, B, C, D, E. You read that thing on off. See, that's the reason why we chose this logo that you see up there. It's so that you can be reminded of the focus on Christ is above all things. Don't you let Satan steer you away from having your focus set on Jesus, y'all. We've been in the book of Hebrews but man, I want to say seven months, Pastor K. How long have we been in Hebrews? Six months? Four months? I don't know. It's been a minute. We preached the whole book of Hebrews. We are excited that God spoke to us, worked through us. 
But now we got some work to do, y'all. Now he's giving us some marching orders. Why? Because he wants us to reflect him in the midst of persecution. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're grateful, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for being able to, to, uh, to meet us. We've learned about ways where we chose comfort over you, ways where we chose safety over you, ways where maybe we stopped believing in miracles. But God, you are a miracle worker, a way maker. And Lord, we want to give ourselves to you. Guide us today, Father, that we would be able to fix our gaze on you as the Hebrew writer says. Let us see you that much more clearly as a result of hearing your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fam, we're going to uh, sing out to Jesus now and then we'll take...